0: The curve action is locked in, so whether there was a epidemic or a pan, well, this this disease, it, the stock market would have gone down anyways. Policymakers panicked and shut down the economy around the world. So that's the story on top. The story underneath is that I think a fabulous bubble has been completed. And the action in gold, the real price going up, confirms that. Then also real long interest rates are going up, particularly for low grade. That confirms. The other thing is that real base metal prices turn down. That confirms the transition to a post-bubble contraction. And also crude oil being an industrial commodity turned down, which confirms the transition into a post-bubble contraction. So I think we've got a, history is telling a a story, Mike, and it's the same old story. So any of the gold bugs that are saying that uh, there's a conspiracy out there, central bankers are suppressing gold, they're suppressing silver, uh uh-uh. Gold and silver, base metals, crude oil, have all been doing what they should be doing in the transition from a bubble to a post bubble contraction.
1: Thanks for watching this RTD interview. Don't forget to pick up your RTD Scary George Round. Now enjoy this interview. Welcome to another RTD interview. Today I'm excited to have first time guest Mr. Bob Hoy. He's a trained geologist as well as a resource investor and an uh, economic historian and today he's joined us to share his thoughts on the current environment we're in now, imports importance of precious metals, the geopolitical events, and you name it. So Bob Hoyt, welcome to RTD Interviews. Mike,
0: good to be with you.
1: Well, I uh, appreciate you taking time to join me and to share your thoughts on what's going on here and so uh, we're experiencing a lot of things on, on many fronts and so I'm curious to find out uh, your thoughts and analysis and your also future predictions as to where this is all heading. But before we dive into that, I'm curious to find out a little bit more about you for those that may not be familiar with you. Uh, So can you give us a little bit of a background as to how Bob Hoy arrived at this point in his career?
0: Yeah, well, I originally took geophysics and spent uh, some time in mining exploration work, which I really liked. Made some money on the first stock I ever bought, which was a dangerous uh, event. And then got in the investment business it was more than 50 years ago worked with uh, the biggest and most prestigious uh, investment dealer in canada trading desk and research department sort of mining and oil analyst for a while trainee and then i've been on my own since i started doing the economic and financial research the history since the uh, early 80s and uh, our work originally started by selling the research to some major mining companies, some of the big oil companies, and then I realized there was a lot of business out there with dealing with financial institutions, which we have done, and plus we got uh, individual research, or accounts as well. And the main thing is that these big financial events, which many think are surprises or exceptional, we've had, there's a pattern in financial history, going back to the first great financial bubble, which was the South Sea bubble in 1720. And the setup to this was that in 1711, you had a global speculation in commodities, blowout, crash, then the world discovered playing in financial assets. And then it goes up, blows out, crash, and then a long contraction. So then you can say that, of course, 1929 was the fifth example of the pattern, and therefore you had four 1929s before 1929, and you have perhaps one completing recently a great financial mania, no question about it. So the thing on gold is that One of the features of the final years of a great bubble is that the real price of gold goes down in the senior currency terms. And then as the bubble ends, the real price goes up. So the low for gold deflated by the US CPI was in 2018 and it has established a rising trend in the real price and the importance of this mike is that it relates to profitability of of the gold miners in the old world like the 1970s when all the gold bugs were on to inflation the fed is bad the fed is evil and gold's going to go to ten thousand as the dollar goes to zero that doesn't work all of the time as we've seen over the last decade when we had or have had a great financial bubble. Now the other thing that happens in a financial bubble is the real price of industrial commodities such as base metals and crude oil go up, they did. So gold is opposite. So the way it works is that like, we can really see it now with the hit to uh, crude oil. Now 30% of operating costs on a, on a typical mine are sort of energy power related, relates to the price of crude oil. So another 30% is related to blasting agents and all the stuff to make a mine actually go. And that relates to energy costs. Then the other 30% is sort of labor costs. So if you've got the base metal mining side in retreat which it is then there's a lid on wage prices you know inflation and remember in 2011 at the top of the boom for precious metals there was talk about shortages of the big tires for the big earth movers and all that sort of stuff but now with uh, the uh, base metal side in retreat so you can see that everything is going for gold And then the reason why this works, and it works every time, Mike, is that with the boom in the financial markets, the stock market gets most of the noise. But underneath it is fabulous speculation in credit instruments, a huge expansion of credit, normal things like stocks, uh, like bonds and debentures and all that sort of stuff. But also you have contrived, things that come up like derivatives and stuff that are created during the mania. Well, once it's over, bang, this contracts and mother nature can't stand the vacuum. So then the real price of gold goes up. Miners start making it more or producing more of it. And then it gets into the financial system. Although all your Keynesian central bankers will officially hate gold. It gets into the banking system when the paper instruments, the credit stock bonds are all deflating, forming a liquidity crisis. So there's then also the other way of looking at gold is that in a crisis, the careful money goes to the most liquid items, gold and treasury notes in the US dollar, the senior currency. So, so let me we, ask you a question real quick. So
1: based upon the information you're sharing now, and so it looks like despite all the, 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 the unemployment and all the news that would definitely send the equities markets in a different direction, it's heading in the opposite direction. And so are we, so the boom cycle, is it, is it just
0: beginning or is it over or, or where are we at currently based yeah. upon the measurements? For the goals, this is early stages of a lengthy bull market each of these great financial bubbles was followed by what we call a post-bubble contraction. Mm-hmm. where uh, And these have lasted about 20 years. Like there was a great bubble concluded in 1873. And in 1884, senior economists in England, which was then the senior economy, started calling it a, the Great Depression in 1884. It lasted 1893, and that was, you had a 20 year bull market for gold's real price. And then you also in the 1890s at the worst of a global depression with high unemployment and a high real price for gold, you had a gold rush. Same in the depression bottom in the 1840s, that was the California gold rush. The 1895 gold rush was Alaska, Yukon and Australia. So it really works over time. So this is, we've had a terrific rally for the gold stocks, probably getting a little overbought in here now. Our advice is, for if you're a veteran trader, would be to take some money off the table for, in the gold stocks, the ones that have done the best. And for investors, it is to buy the dips, whereas on the big stock market, we're the opposite. It's to sell the rallies and avoid buying the dips in the big stock market. Mm -hmm. So we're now, and this bull market, uh, it can last for 20 years. Each of the great depressions has lasted for 20 years. Now the business cycle, you know, your three or four year business cycle comes and goes but each of the recessions could be strong and each of the recoveries in the business cycle could be weak. But right through it, the only sector that you can analyze that can be good in a post-bubble deflation has been the gold sector. Now, there could be some new industry or some new high-tech company. You can't predict that. But the one thing that history does predict is the bull market for gold stocks in a post bubble deflation. When you got the street and the gold side educated as in the 1970s, that it's all the evil fed and money depreciation and dollar going to zero and gold to 10,000, that's old stuff. And the real stuff is what history shows. And it was 1980 when I sat down and calculated annually, the real price of gold. Because there was a long period when England was on a gold standard, so there was no price change. Mm -hmm. But the real price changed, even though the nominal price didn't change. Like for example, in 1929, Homestake was the senior producer, and the stock underperformed during the 1929 bubble, and mainly because their earnings went down because their costs of mining were going up, and the price of gold was fixed at $20.67 an ounce. So then, crash low uh, for Homestake was eight and an eighth or something like that. But you could have bought it all through 1931 at $9 a share. And then it started, and then by the end of 1932, the price was still at $20.67 an ounce. But because their costs had crashed, their earnings were up about 130% to the end of 1932. And the reason for talking about 1932 is the price was still fixed. It wasn't until March 1933 when Roosevelt started screwing around with the price. So the earnings were up 130% and the stock was up 130% in 1932 when when the huge stock market was having serious problems. So it shows that gold mining does very well in a post bubble deflation. Now to take it further, the real price was going up. And then when Roosevelt started fooling around with the price of gold and moved it to 35 an ounce, uh, that was in the right direction of what the market for gold would have been doing anyways. So get back to home state, the stock price trade in 1935, compared to, let's say, a $9 purchase in 1931. Not only that, in those days, gold producers paid out virtually everything in a dividend. So it was paying $4 a share dividend on a $9 purchase. Now, in today's world, gold miners won't go back to what they used to do, which was to pay everything out by way of dividends. No, they will be building corporate assets and you know that sort of thing. And gold mining will become the growth in, a growth industry, and then within it, um, the exploration side. So you have a rising real price, so the costs are good for gold mining, that not only enhances profitability of producers, but it enhances the valuation of a gold deposit because it just, everything just gets better and better and better in the sector. So you've really gotta be long the stocks. You'll make more money out of the stocks than you will in owning gold. And the view on owning gold is you gotta have a little as a insurance policy, but for serious investors and traders, there'd be very good action in gold stocks, right down to the juniors, so.
1: All right, so okay, I'm curious. So, I like. So we, we talked a lot about gold. So so the silver fall into that same equation because here at RTD, you know, a lot of the viewers are heavy precious metals owners, and so and the mining stocks. You know, we, I still interview a couple of people. We dip and dab in that, but you yeah. know, holding the physical pre- the precious metals is what a lot of people are concerned with because of all the concerns of what central banks are doing. So uh, where does silver fall in in the in the same parameters yeah. as you're, you're discussing?
0: Yeah, my good question is silver has its own pattern, and in a boom, silver will always rally faster or more than gold will. So the gold-silver ratio goes down. But in a contraction, the gold-silver ratio goes up because silver gets trashed. And this is where, like in December, I remember seeing a gold-silver guy recommending buying silver stocks because the ratio, the gold silver is 87, and he thought that was too high, and it would go back down, and that's favor the silver. In December, we looked at the 87, and that's approaching a breakout, in which case, if it went up, and this is how we explained it then, if the gold silver goes, ratio goes up, it will confirm the probability of a contraction, because that's what it does. And of course it did. And then I said, uh, just pick the number out of the air, that the ratio, gold-silver ratio could go to 115. Well, it went to 127, which has shattered many of the silver bugs. Mm-hmm. And you've got to realize, I've been on in, this, in the investment business since the 60s. And I've seen the silver studies. And any year, any uh, mining analysts or metals analysts can come up and say that there's a shortage of silver. Mm-hmm. There's more consumed than there is produced. You can say that every year, but it won't make you any money in the silver business. What makes money in the silver side is understanding the business cycle, the credit markets, and the fact that what silver has done in previous booms on a, on a really good rally for precious metals, silver will outperform gold. Now here's how it worked for us in 2011, which was a fabulous party. God, it had been on for 10 years. And we use then, we flip it the other way and do the silver gold ratio. So silver's going up faster. Mm -hmm. And the momentum item we use is the uh, weekly RSI, relative strength index. So in April of 2011, that RSI got up to 90. And we knew that anything in the 80s is getting dangerous. The speculation is pretty intense. And the only time that that RSI got up to 90 was in January, 1980, at the height of that insanity. Mm. So that was April, May of 2011. And our advice was, or well, instruction was at 90, the RSI on the silver gold ratio was dangerous and a, and a bear market was possible. Mm-hmm. So, then with the violence in the financial markets in the first part of this year, that uh, and then it hit gold and, you know hit silver very hard. Well, that RSI the weekly got down to 11, which was exactly opposite at 90 in 2011, which was our sell. Mm-hmm. So it became the big cyclical, secular buy. And that was in March. And so our uh, readers have always been well informed on the history and the way this works. So uh, it's been a good trade, mm-hmm. a very good trade. But the thing to understand is that it's the early stages of a very long bull market for gold with and also understanding that silver will be a lesser player and there will be times when there'll be silver rallies there'll be times when there are rallies in silver stocks there could be times when an expiration silver stock comes in with a very good uh, deposit so there's always openings there but the one thing you can analyze is that the gold sector from the majors right down to exploration juniors will be uh, a bull market a very good bull market so mm-hmm. it's 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 a great time to be in this sector at this time so. yeah
1: now my, my question next question would be based upon all the things going on around us so it, you kind of make it seem like from a historical standpoint the 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 movement of metals prices is all is already baked into the cake based upon prior trends and so, does it really matter much these days as to what central banks are doing, or the policy response, or the political events that are, t- are taking shape around uh, the world? Does it have anything to do with you know possible price, either bull market starting sooner or being delayed longer because of policy response? You
0: no, know, policymakers are subject to market forces; they don't create market forces. So, all the way throughout history, you can admit plenty of examples where the policymakers are responding to market action. You go all the way back to Roman times, and there's a wonderful book called The New Deal in Old Rome, and what it showed was that in uh, deflationary periods, um, policymakers did this, made this committee, made uh, uh, below market rates of interest loans for farmers, uh, too much wine around so they told farmers to tear out grapevines. That was in Roman times, and that was, of course happened at the New Deal. So, the On policymakers, the central bank, uh, at the end of a bubble, is behind the market on changing interest rates. So, for example, in 1929, the three-month treasury bill had its high in May of that year, and then it turned down. And that turn down was, was sit- suggesting that the best of the boom was in. So here, and you've had examples even earlier than that, where short-term market rates of interest, like the T-bill, go up in the boom and down in the contraction. So this is where the street, New York, Wall Street, is absolutely insane. Because at the top of a boom, like uh, 2007, September, uh, leading Wall Street spokesmen were saying, All will be well because the Fed is going to cut interest rates. And we're writing, watch out, its interest rates have already started down, and you get the fastest declines in short rates during the worst part of a bear market, such as recently, when you had the T-bill rate set its peak in March uh, 19 and started down. And that has been a long warning. And then finally, I think it was four and a half months later. The Fed did its first rate cut in 1929. The rate started down in June, and the first rate cut was I think uh, end of end of, or early October. So there was a five-month lead there. So here's where the Wall Street is completely wrong. They look at the Fed and consider that it is affecting destiny. Uh-uh. It's following the market, particularly at tops. So, and they may dislike gold, but what I would argue, Mike, is that the longer the real price of gold continues to go up, the more the central bankers are going to want to own it because it's going up. And this is where the last decade they've had the absolute nonsense and policy of taking central bank reserves and running it as according to modern portfolio theory, where they had to be long stocks. So too many central banks are long stocks at high prices and not long gold at low prices, as they were until recently. But again, it's going to be compelling that if you get a long enough trend of rising real gold prices, they, the central bankers are going to own it. And also, you could get away from the recklessness of central bankers trying to, think that they can run things and then they get hammered by the next phase. Now, typically um, you can have favorable action in stocks and, and base metals and stuff all, to around mid-year, you know, the old sell in May and go away thing. And there's, there's it, it works. So what we do is look for trading excesses, technical overdones in the stock market at around May into June, which we're getting. So this is our advice on the big stock market is to really lighten up on that because then after mid-year, we will then start looking for weakness in base metal prices down to maybe November, weakness in crude oil prices down maybe to January, February. There's a good seasonal low in there. And if you get crude oil prices going down again, it's gonna take the stock market with it. So. The distortion or the distraction in the markets now has been this uh, Wuhan flu. Now, it has forced the sharpest drop in employment, the fastest rise in unemployment in history. The only thing that's ever been similar was in London in 1665 when the Black Death hit. And 20% of London's population died. So can you imagine what it did to the financial markets? But our work was that we expected a high for the stock market in January. So in December, early January, we were writing that, yeah, we've got uh, technical excesses. And we also wrote that there's no way of describing the reason for the decline when it comes in. The media will do that. And then the media then came up with the coronavirus as being, yeah, it's exceptional. But underneath it, the stock market is doing what it would do at the end of a bubble. The uh, credit spreads, same thing, what it would do at the end of a bubble. And the most telling one was the uh, yield curve. Whereas in July last year, the curve, meaning the difference between short rates and long rates are inverted. And then the street was saying, oh, it's gonna be recession. And then after inversion went away, so they said, no, that means nothing." but hey, I've got the yield curve in the US back to 1860. And you take a look at it and the rule is inversion, recession without exception, now also in December with the enthusiasm that came in, the curve inverted again. So we had double inversion. When was the last time? 2007. How about before that? 1929, double inversion. And how about before that? The 1873 bubble, double inversion. And we know what followed 1929? And it's not widely known, but I've mentioned it the eighteen seventy-three to eighteen ninety-five Great Depression. So the curve action is locked in. So whether there was a epidemic or a pan well, this this disease yeah. it the stock market would have gone down anyways. And what and then policymakers panicked and shut down the economy around the world, which as I said, there's been nothing like it since London got the plague in 1665. So that's the story on top. The story underneath is that I think a fabulous bubble has been completed and the action in gold, and the real price going up confirms that. Then also real long interest rates are going up, particularly for low grade. That confirms. The other thing is that real base metal prices turn down. That confirms the transition to a post-bubble contraction. And also crude oil being an industrial commodity turned down, which confirms the transition into a post-bubble contraction. So I think we've got a history is telling a, a story, Mike. And it's the same old story. So any of the gold bugs that are saying that uh, there's a conspiracy out there, central bankers are suppressing gold, they're suppressing silver, uh uh-uh. Gold and silver, base metals, crude oil, have all been doing what they should be doing in the transition from a bubble to a post-bubble contraction. So I think a lot of it is on schedule, so then the serious thinker will say now okay so it's working so far who's to say that it will stay on path then i counter that by saying who's to say that it's going to go off the path so and the path is towards a post another post bubble contraction so as we draw towards the end of this,
1: I'm curious to get your thoughts based upon history. And so you've done a great job of just tying it all together to show us where we're currently at now. So 2020, the year we're currently in now, so, so you're saying or thinking that the next 10 years or this next decade will be similar to prior depressionary type environments, uh, but yet
0: probably a little bit more severe, you think? Uh, each each uh, contraction, if you're in it, is bad it's like in 2011 when we said a uh, probable bear market for gold's but it won't be as bad as post 1980. Mm. <laughs> and then later on you realize that the the bear market you're in is always the worst you've ever been in.
1: Yeah.
0: Even though you might play it right, but it it's for the market. A bear market is not good for most players. But for the well advised player or the good trader, you can make money out of it. But uh so, yeah, to wrap it up, uh, early stages of a bull market for the gold sector, and it will be positive for everything from senior golds, where there's good liquidity to trade the stocks, right down to juniors, where sometimes liquidity is a little difficult. Mm. But I, being, having worked in mining exploration decades ago, I really like the exploration side. Mm. Interesting.
1: All right. Well, Bob Hoy, it's been great having you on RTD Interviews. I appreciate you for elaborating and, and sharing uh, where we are from a historical standpoint. Uh, and so for those that may uh, not be familiar with where you work, where you work at, where can they find you at online? Can you yeah. point
0: back in your direction? Sure. It's really easy. Just Google Bob Hoy, B-O-B-H-O-Y-E, or we have it under BobHoy.com. So, and then it gets into, we've got a couple of websites. My colleague, Ross Clark, is a genius in technical analysis on anything that's moving. So, we cover the probabilities according to history, uh, which tries to remove surprises. And then we've also got uh, extremely competent uh, technical analysis as well. Okay. Sounds good. Well, once again, Bob Hoyt, it's been great having you RTD
1: Interviews. Looking forward to continue to follow your work and definitely have you back on as all this continues to go down the line and get your thoughts at that point. So once again, thanks for joining us on RTD Interviews.
0: Anytime, Mike. We we'll look forward to talking to you and your, and your, your uh, followers.